Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The cricket never stops. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Rain Stop Play. Uh, there is lots going on in the cricketing world, as I'm sure many of our listeners are aware. So we're really looking forward to diving into some of the biggest stories of this week in the next 40 minutes or so, I think. Um, today, I'm joined by one guest. He is, uh, by default, the MVP. He's basically the co-host as well today. <laughs> it is Zach Harwood. How are you doing, Zach? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm excited to talk about all of these brilliant things going on in the world of cricket with you. How are you, Glenn? Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you. I've got my desk set up, um, uh, so it looks less like a hostage situation behind me, which was the case when I was recording basically in the corridor uh, last episode. So yeah, I'm delighted with that. And I got the desk for half price, as I was telling Zach earlier, so I'm buzzing, buzzing about this. Uh, yeah, well, there's actually plenty of places we could start um, today. Uh, a lot of really important stories, I think it's fair to say, but we're going to go um, to the test that wasn't, uh, the finale that never happened massive massive disappointing uh, news uh, for cricket fans across the nation obviously in England in India in other uh, places that love test cricket there's a lot of them when the fifth uh, test which was meant to be happening was meant to have basically just finished a couple of days ago uh, at Old Trafford in Manchester was postponed I think it was about an hour before play was due to start around then uh, because of a COVID, a COVID outbreak, as I'm sure you all know listening, in the uh, India camp. Now, it was uh, a couple of members of the coaching staff that tested positive uh, and uh, Indian players um, were concerned, obviously, for their welfare in light of these um, in light of these cases, were worried that if they were positive and may may have to quarantine or would have to quarantine in England. It was a difficult one. Uh, I think there was a bit of anger uh, on on the uh, from a couple of English uh, commentators uh, regarding India, basically, you know, packing up shop and not and not completing what had been a fantastic series. But it's obviously uh, a difficult issue, and I don't think it was black and white. I think it was a pretty grey area for everyone. Uh, Zach, what was just your initial thoughts? Just give me your thoughts, because I woke up. <laughs> I think it was Ben Jones had a, a fantastic uh, tweet uh, just, just a couple of hours after it was announced when he was saying uh, India were going to win the game. Then they then they had officially lost the game because the ECB decided they forfeited it, and then that was rejected. So uh, or you know, taken back from them, and then they were drawing the game. And he said the ebb and flow of Test cricket, three different outcomes, not a ball has been bowled. Uh, Zach, tell me your perspective. You wake up. You're 
you're looking forward to five days across a weekend, right? Uh, five days of great cricket. Uh, what were your initial thoughts? What were your what was your reaction? Well, I think at first it seemed a bit strange because, you know, the first thing you see is is uh, is the angry comments, the initial thing of, uh, oh, it's to do with the money. It's all to do with the IPL. And and and, you know, and, and I don't I don't I don't think that's where it came from. We do have to remember that the, uh, we, we were in a different stage of the pandemic at this point. But England did pull out of the tour of South Africa when there was some worries around the bubble. I know they weren't doing a bubble at the moment. It was more of a, a team environment, I think it was being called. And this kind of has led to questions around whether that was the right thing. And with the amount of COVID cases there are in the UK, it seemed like it was, I mean, when it happened, it was kind of, oh, how, how have they gone this long without this happening? You know, like there's a lot of people getting COVID at the moment. Like, it, yep. you know, the, all of the team and the coaches are the Indian team are all double jabbed. They all had their second jabs when they arrived in the UK. I, th- I think, or may- maybe just before, they're certainly all double jabbed and have been for a little while. So it's, you know, e- even if they do get COVID, it shouldn't be, they should, it should only be mild, but still we can't, you know, have them going around spreading COVID. They wouldn't have been allowed to fly to the UAE, which they would have been doing probably in the next couple of days. And it's all a bit, I think at first, when the kind of first case came through, it was kind of, oh, it's a coach. It's one of the coaches. It's not necessarily someone who's been close to them. It was them when I think it, it might have been the third case that came through was the there's the physio that had been exactly. doing some proper work on lots of the players. Then the players got nervous. And, you know, the, the argument of it, oh, it's all because they want to play in the IPL. Those players were asking for more PCR tests. And if they get a PCR test, say they get a PCR test today and they test positive, they can't go to the IPL. They're missing the, you know, and it's going to be on for a while, but they're going to miss the first 10 days of the IPL or more or less and that would be they are missing that from when they isolate then they're missing more time because they're not going to be match travel. fit travel mm-hmm. exactly exactly it's not it's not a simple 10 days and then playing so if they really cared about them if it was just about the money in the IPL then they wouldn't have asked for extra PCR tests would they uh, one of the things that that is come out from this is the fact that um Ravi Shastri uh, timed his book launch I think it was last week and there's pictures of uh, Ravi, you know, signing books, of course, as you do. All the players are there. He's hugging babies. He's taking pictures with people. And considering that they did when they arrived in Manchester, the idea was that they were basically going to be isolating all of them. So they didn't get COVID before before the thing. This was never an official policy, but that was kind of the idea they were going to isolate for them to have that book launch. Just it seems a bit. It just seems a bit silly. I don't know what you think about it, Glenn. It just it, ill ill thought out, simply. Uh, it's moronic. It's moronic and it's selfish. It's absolutely extraordinary. Uh, I read a really good... I didn't really know about this until last night when I was doing some preparation for this podcast. Um, again, because I was almost, you know, obviously being in the US and being quite distanced from from the uh, consequences of that fifth test being uh, being postponed. Um, it was I was kind of overwhelmed with information. I was kind of trying to catch up with as much as I could, you know, checking. In my opinion, most important thing that the Indian players were OK and they didn't have COVID. I think that got forgotten a bit in this discussion. Uh, but, yeah, I read a fantastic piece last night, um, wisdom piece. I'm sure a lot of a lot of uh, outlets covered this uh, just summing up that. Yeah. So his book was uh, called Stargazing the Players in My Life. Uh, and he was at a crowded uh, event at a hotel in Victoria. Apparently about 150 people at the event uh, and very little, if any, COVID regulations. Uh, One attendee said it was horrid. No one wore masks apart from waiting staff. Left me feeling very uncomfortable. 
and everyone and this is a really important part of the quote there went over to Shastri to meet him I it's just it beggars belief it truly beggars belief that somebody who's in a position of authority who should be at the very least if he if he doesn't care for his own welfare consider the rest of the team who, who many of the if not all of them the Indian team have families over here I'm sure the majority of them have um brought family over so that affects them obviously um, it affects the game because it was cancelled uh, and what I do find quite um, quite almost ironic funny being not quite the right word is that the uh, ECB CEO Tom Harrison was in attendance at this event and he was incredibly disappointed by how lax the COVID protocols were uh, he apparently a source uh uh, the Evening Standard said that um, Harrison wore a mask except when consuming food and stuff. And he was expecting a COVID safe event. And uh, it wasn't. I mean, it just sounds like it was just a normal, basically a normal book launch pre-pandemic. And I don't know how this went ahead. I don't know how it was sanctioned. I don't know how he got away with this. And what's really interesting, again, in this Wisdom piece, I would uh, it's a really good read. I thoroughly recommend it. it was by Wisdom staff. So I can't credit one person. Um, but he um, during the India Australia series um, over the winter, uh, Shastri was criticized by Australian press um, for apparently not really caring about covid protocols. And a report claimed that he thought he was exempt in quotations from restrictions such as mandatory mask wearing. So, I mean, what we're seeing is someone who's so laissez faire uh, about COVID, clearly couldn't care less, kind of, as I just said, about himself, his own health, but most importantly, the health of the players around him. And for someone who's in a position of authority, who should be a leader, who should be an example to follow for the other players, um, you know, you know, stuff, you know, stuff's happened. I mean, you know, Pant was was seen. There was a photo of Rashad Pant at the Wembley and he got COVID a couple of days later. I mean, it's not as if everyone's been perfect. And, um, you know, we've seen we've seen um, members. I think it was a Sri Lankan team sent home in disgrace, unfortunately, uh, after an ill-advised walk around the Durham um, City Centre. But I f- in my opinion, at least, this seems worse. This seems worse than what the players have done. And I don't know uh, if there's going to be repercussions for Shastri, but I think it's just really disgraceful. I think it truly is. Um, and I do feel um, for when you, you know, looking looking past the players, as we said, in my opinion, the, the number one thing to, to look for. Um, but then you do really feel for the cricketing public in England, people who are at the game, people who have um, you know spent a lot of money on these tickets, have made. We've all been there. We've we've made travel arrangements to go to a test match or even just a local game and it's rained off and you've already spent money on food, on hotels. But, you know, the thought of this. In the context of the series, if you had a golden ticket to one day, weather permitting, of what should have been the event of the summer, what we, you know, we, uh, hopefully listeners have heard our preview pod and could tell how excited we were about it, for that to potentially, and again, there's the, 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 it's probably important to note that I personally, I don't, I don't know that it was him that, that, that caused this whole thing. It could be other things as well. There was multiple people who tested positive. But for this whole thing to not only be put in jeopardy, but to, to be literally ruined by a person thinking they can do what they want and take liabilities such as an unmasked, crowded book signing days before a test. And Zach, I'd like your opinion on this as well. There is obviously, as we've touched on, there is the consequences for the IPL. And surely an Indian coach should have known that this was, as you mentioned, Zach, the most important time not to get COVID because the players could potentially be trapped here in England and with their families and then potentially miss what, as we all know, is the event, arguably the cricketing event of the year. Um, I mean, what, what do you think? I, mean, I don't know if you knew all those facts before we went on air, but for me, it's just it's just awful, awful behaviour. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 it is awful, and it's just it just yeah, it's so silly, and it's 
I like that you, you do compare it to the to the Pant thing and the Sri Lanka thing, and they're, they're completely different. And the Sri Lanka players have been banned. Yep. Pant faced little repercussions, but you know, he was on his own, and they were told they, the rules were they were kind of told you're in England for a month, don't go to the football, don't do a couple of things. They weren't really kind of they weren't in a strict thing, but this he like you say he's their head coach. He, like he should know better. He he should like lead by example. You know, put it simply. Yeah, not good enough. But I would be very surprised if there are any repercussions because I think if there would have been, we would have seen them already. I would. I don't think we're going to have any repercussions from this. No, unfortunately, um, I agree. He's probably going to get away from this scot-free. Uh, the consequences for, oh, at least for domestic cricket, are pretty huge. When again, you think of, um, you do feel for the people at Old Trafford, uh, you know, food bought, caterers, uh, you know, set up, security booked, etc., etc. Um, for this, it's immensely, immensely frustrating for all involved and just such a sad way to end what was well, for me an immensely uh, enjoyable uh, test series. And just before we do move on, we're going to touch on some updates in the IPL in a moment. Zach, so that wraps up um, cricket this, at least this summer at home uh, for England. Just before we do move on and, you know, staying with India in, in the IPL regard, where do you think that leaves uh, the the test, the test unit before what is going to be really difficult ashes for a lot of different reasons? Obviously, some players reluctant to travel. Uh, one of them are performances. Uh, it was our worst return since 1999 uh, with only one victory at home in test cricket this summer, which is really abysmal. It was two tough opponents. It's worth noting that we did play the two uh, best test playing teams in the world, the two finalists, the World Test Championship. But... We were at home and they were tired and they've been quarantining. And I think we we had home advantage with COVID in, in quite a strong regard in that sense. I think the home advantage was massive to be able to potentially you know see family and to have fans back in the ground. And I really do feel like we, we dropped the ball, as it were, with our performances, with some decision making. And I don't think it really lays the groundwork. I think this is pretty much a consensus in the creative community for a successful Ashes. Zach, just big picture ideas before we move on. What are your takeaways as you know, as an England fan, England supporter from this summer? Because we didn't have a chance to save it. But the bottom line is currently it does stand 2-1 to India. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the best prep for the Ashes, losing two home series, not being sure of our best 11, not, you know, a lot of these players who you can think of as being you know, might be good at bowling in Australia. You know, Saki Bamood. I there's a lot of talk about Matt Parkinson and Saki Bamood, two Lancashire lads, and they they haven't played a test match between them. So that it would be very silly <laughs> for them to play a test match in you know until we're four nil down. <laughs> you know, and then they'll they will inevitably make their debuts once we're four nil down. But if we get to four nil down, or you know. 3-0 or whatever we're losing by it at the time <laughs> but I you know I don't expect I don't expect much to be honest because we're we don't look good are batting without Joe Root unless Joe Root has an well even if Joe Root has Joe Root's just had an amazing summer and an amazing series and he he hasn't managed to win it for us which kind of shows how poor everyone else has been you know <sighs> With players potentially not traveling, you can hope the top three, maybe the top four, maybe will 
looks a bit more settled but we said this last year we said this this time last year and, and there's one member there's, there's of the top four there's two members but of the top three there's one member still standing a year later you know a year ago we'd have said oh Burns, Crawley, Sibley. That's it. That's us sorted for you know the next few years. I mean, we've we've talked on this podcast about that exact thing, and and it's changed this year. And I'm happy for you know Hamid. I'm happy for Milan, and of course happy I'm happy for Burns as well for him to still be there and looking the most solid. But you know, it's it's not it's not great. I'm not I'm not hopeful for those ashes. Whereas I think a few months ago I, I might have had some hope because Australia aren't in their best position. Australia don't look amazing without, you know, uh, they always, you know, they always end up doing quite well at home. <laughs> well, no, that's it. And it's interesting you say that Australia in a bit of disarray. I was, I was reading last night about Justin Langer. Uh, a lot of players are very unhappy with him. Uh, I think that the high intensity of his coaching is what I was reading. And it's spiralling into into the public sphere. Uh, Kawaja actually came out, the Aussie batsman, a uh, really elegant player. Uh, and he actually had alleged, well, I was reading that, you know, had a bit of a falling out with Langer when he was when he was playing under him for the Oz team. But he actually came out publicly to, to defend Langer uh, this week, which is incredible. So that really shows the the uh, dysfunction uh, that's going on in Australia. However, on the flip side of that, I don't think, as you said, Zach, uh, really nicely there. We're not in great shape. I don't think that top three is going to put terror into any uh, pace attack, especially in home conditions of the Gabba, the MCG, those three trotting out for opening up. That wouldn't concern me if I was steaming in. Uh, good things to take away. Obviously, this isn't going to be really a huge summary of the of the series, um, but just a couple of things that jumped out to me. England did have the the highest wicket taker and the highest run scorer. Robinson with 21 wickets across the series. Joe Root, obviously, with a, a masterful 564 runs with an average of 94. Really, really ridiculous stats there. But as is often the case with England, you, you look further down that list and then, you know, a lot of Indian players pop up and it really falls away quite quickly. Uh, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of chat over who is um, who is comfortable traveling, um, who is not. That's obviously going to affect our selection plans. Uh, yeah. And to be honest, I'm worried about both the batting and bowling in Australia. I'm not really feeling great at all. And if I'm going to be completely honest, prob- probably avoiding a whitewash and staying competitive, uh, not losing heavily in, in the majority of games would probably be my uh, hope, would be the aspiration for me. I'm, I'm not expecting us to win it. A draw would be, I think, rid- would be is unattainable at this point, but we will see how it goes. And as we've all seen, anything can happen in cricket. And that's why this series was just so fantastic because how many times did we count India out across those games and they went on to, to, to win playing beautiful cricket. So anyway, to wrap that up, congratulations to India uh, on obviously, you know, shading that series. Um, Something to note for listeners. We're not quite sure uh, what's going to happen with that fifth test. There is still discussions ongoing as of, from what I read this morning, whether it's going to be a standalone test, whether they're going to come back and play it as the completion of the series, which I think there's a lot of hunger for. Uh, generally, that seems to be probably the fairest thing to do. But of course, playing this a year later completely lacks that intensity that, that we had and the narratives will be immensely different then. Uh, talking of players, um, you know, moving on and uh, being un, being unsure whether to travel or not. Uh, is a couple of England players um, are pulling out actually of the um, second half of the uh, 2021 IPL um, season. 
uh, which is, I think, frustrating a couple of uh, Indian commentators. Um, so uh, as of literally, I think this morning, uh, uh, Milan, Wokes and Bairstow, uh, I think a couple of them had announced already, but they've decided to skip the remainder of the um, of the tournament due to personal reasons. Uh, while obviously there's a couple of players such as Archer, Stokes and Butler are also missing the tournament for a variety of personal uh, and physical with injury reasons. Um, Zach, that obviously leaves a lot of holes in in the franchise teams. Uh, how are they going to be filled? Uh, and just 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 probably just the listeners who we've had quite a gap between this first and the second half. Just give us um, a quick a quick uh, summary, I guess, of what to expect over the next couple of weeks when the IPL gets back into flow. Yeah, so well, like you said, there's a couple of holes. There's you know a few England players dropping out, and you know completely understand that they why they've decided not to join another bubble. It, it would have been a fantastic opportunity for them to get acclimatised to the pitches that they're going to be playing on in the T20 World Cup, which England Good will point. be, you know, hoping they can go far in, you know, love to see us win it. I think we are one of the favourites. But, you know, would they be better, would they be in better condition having a rest? There's, you know, there's arguments both ways. I think, you know, some of them definitely need that rest. So, yeah, we have got Adil Rashid coming in uh, for Punjab Kings. I mean, it feels like it's the first time he's ever played in the IPL. He might have played in the past, but first time in certainly in a long, a long while. And that'll be really interesting to see how he goes in those conditions because there's been a lot of talk about, is he good enough for the IPL? And, you know, everyone in England's always thought, yeah, why doesn't he ever get an IPL gig? And, you know, and that's hopefully he can, he can impress and I, I'm really backing backing him another interesting spinner who's come in as well is instead of was instead of it's it's for 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 Joffre archer kind of he's one of the players coming for for the rajasthan royals is is shamsi the uh, south african spinner i think if if south africa are gonna so the pitch is well from the indian squad announcement for the t20 world cup which we will cover in uh, some pre in at least a couple preview pots um they they they've picked a lot of spinners so you know we're, we're presuming the pitches are going to spin. So if South Africa are going to do anything in this tournament, you have to think their frontline spinner Shamsi is going to be, you know, vitally important to that. So seeing how he goes yep. in his, you know, again, it's his, is his first go at the IPL for a few years. He's been one of those players who you kind of always think, Oh, it's a, you know, he's a spinner, you know, spinners, foreign spinners don't often get picked up, but you know, Zampa seems to always manage to get a gig, uh, for the coffee making, uh, must be, <laughs> um, yeah, what, well, just one more player to focus in on is, is Tim David, the the Singaporean Australian who uh, he's actually just hit 38 from about 17 balls for not out for the uh, St Lucia Kings in the uh, CPL, which the CPL semi-finals are going on, and he has been picked up by RCB, and RCB traditionally spend far too much money on their big players. You know, they've spent a lot of money on Carl Jameson this year or AB De Villiers and. Virat Kohli take up a very large chunk of their wage bill, but Tim Davis is an interesting one because he's he, play, he he kind of had a bit of a breakout season in the Big Bash last year, and has been kind of talked about as will play for Australia. He has played for Singapore in the past, but you know they don't it, cricket doesn't seem to be fussed about you playing for multiple national teams anywhere near as much as uh, football is. So you know there's talk of him you know being an option in the middle order for Australia. Australia's middle order is in is non-existent at the moment it seems so it'll be a really good option he's actually he actually played in the role under one day cup for surrey 
you know, sorry, the only team to actually get an overseas player just for that tournament. And he was battering about <laughs> some uh, second teamers. But yeah, looking out for him. And, and alongside him at RCB will be George Garton, another Englishman getting his uh, first bout in the IPL. Yeah. The way it's going to work, if I quickly touch on that. Uh, so basically, every team has played either eight or seven games so far. So that means they've either got, I think they've either got six or seven games left yeah because they play no that's yeah that's right that's right yeah that's right i think <laughs> yeah because they play 14 games in total if my maths right that is right so i think everyone's kind of in with a shout still delhi are top delhi and csk have both won four of their last five games if that counts for anything six months later which i don't think it will <laughs> we of course somehow managed to start with csk versus mumbai which seems to be the way they kind of managed to start every single IPL. I don't know how they've managed <laughs> to do that with half a tournament. They've still managed it. But yeah, that'll be a big game Sunday that's coming. And I think the only team that are kind of out of it is the team that I think every one of us picked as our outsiders to win it is Sunrisers who are languishing on two points. I don't have high hopes for my boys KKR either They're on four points. But yeah, Delhi on 12 and CSK and RCB on, on 10 are the kind of front runners at the moment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely lovely summary uh, there, Zach. I was just going through the questions I was going to ask you as you were speaking and just crossing them off <laughs> uh, <laughs> as you went. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't have much more to add except to say, yeah, it's it's resuming on Sunday. Um, uh, it's exciting. I think um, it was good that they get to they get to wrap up um, what was, you know, a, a really interesting tournament. And obviously it's it's, it's difficult um, with COVID, as you, as you just touched on, to get players over there. Really nice um, work going through the replacements there. And yeah, I think spin is, is obviously going to be key in the upcoming uh, T20 World Cup. So it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on some uh, some world-class international spinners. Uh, basically preparing at this point, as you, as you rightly said, Zach, just is basically a test run for a lot of these individuals um, to really acclimatize to the conditions and for the upcoming uh, World Cup. And yeah, as, as Zach did mention, we're going to have a couple of previews uh, about the teams and players to look for in the next week or two so um yeah do keep an eye out for that we're really looking forward to diving into our preview with all the squads announced now yeah zach actually put together a really nice twitter thread uh, of the um of those announced uh teams uh follow us on twitter at rainstoppod if you're not already and something interesting is uh rashi khan quit as captain of Af- of afghanistan uh, upon the announcement of his team because he wasn't consulted about it so uh he basically quit on the spot as it were as captain I'm going to assume he'll still be there, obviously in a playing capacity, but he uh, was immensely frustrated not to be consulted at all. And obviously we don't have time to get into the politics of Afghanistan, but it is clearly a difficult time. And I think all of us in the pod are thinking of the players in the men's and obviously women's cricket team right now. Uh, Moving on uh, to a really, really important story. Uh, We've been doing our best to follow it. Uh, Will, who is moving house, so he sadly can't be here today, has been doing an outstanding job, I would say, on the podcast of keeping us updated about this. Uh, But Azim Rafiq, uh, former Yorkshire um, cricket club player who had numerous uh, allegations against the club regarding racism, bullying, just a series of just really horrible, horrible things. Uh, The report that has been um, compiled uh, by Yorkshire has uh, I- addressing these. It was an independent investigation by an uh, 
I think it was an international law firm, I think, were the ones um, completing it. But it was done and dusted. And then Yorkshire decided to sit on it, as I think we mentioned on a on a recent pod. And this week, just a few days ago, I mean, it was kind of released, uh, Zach. They, uh, there's a summary. It's so unclear uh, as to what's going on with this. But basically, uh, they, they, um, the cricket club um, stated that uh, I think it was eight of the you know, seven of the 43 allegations. And what's interesting is I've got a, diff- a couple of different news sources um, up right now. And even even in uh, massive news outlets like ITV and Sky don't have the same figures. Um, ITV saying 40 allegations, Sky saying, I think, 43. So this is how unclear the reporting is. These are serious news outlets who aren't who don't have the same information here. Um, but basically it was found of seven of over 40 allegations made by Rafiq upheld um by the by the review um uh, with the others allegedly not being held or upheld on grounds of insufficient evidence uh i'll come to you in a second zach i'll just run listeners through what allegations were upheld of the seven uh it's really really horrible stuff uh number one when rafiq was playing junior cricket for yorkshire he was not provided with halal food at matches uh, number two, prior to 2010, the panel found that there were three separate incidents of racist language being used by former players, uh, which were found to be harassment on grounds of race. Uh, number three, uh, an especially atrocious one, uh, before 2012, a former coach regularly used racist language. Uh, number four, during his second spell at Yorkshire between 2016 and 2018, there were jokes made around religion that made individuals uncomfortable about their religious practices. Uh, number five, during a second spell at the club, a former player, this is institutional, this is coaches and players, uh, made reference to Rafiq's weight and fitness that amounted to bullying. Uh, in August 2018, when Rafiq raised concerns of racism, this is a massive part of this of this story, there was a failure by the club to follow its own policy or investigate these allegations. And that's a really key one. Um, finally, number seven, uh, on a number of occasions prior to 2018, the club could have done much more uh, to make Muslims more welcome within their stadiums. Another very important one and should have dealt better with complaints of racism or other antisocial behavior within those stadiums. Again, really systematic. We're seeing coaches, players and fans all being implicated here. Really important to know. I just mentioned it, but these there are many, many more allegations. There are, you know, about 35 more that weren't upheld by this report. Uh, And uh, Rafiq, I'll go to come to you here. Zach has publicly said that he's still incredibly disappointed uh, by this whole the whole thing, which has been, in my opinion, completely shambolic and incredibly disrespectful by um, by Yorkshire. The entire process of of this report the way it was sat on uh hasn't done them any favors to make them look good has it really it's it's actually uh really um increased uh increased the suspicions around the club i think um as just as just a you know as a personal cricket fan following this uh zach let me come to you what are your takeaways from this well rafiq's gone public just let listeners know a little bit about what he said um, himself following the release of at least the summary of the report this week yeah really great summary then it's interesting it's taken yorkshire three years to come out with something that outlines a lot of things that sound like institutional racism but there isn't enough evidence for institutional racism yes i think the idea of having enough evidence for institutional racism is something that they're i, I think they would always be able to argue against 
if they're not doing an independent inquiry, which they are supposed to be doing. It, the tone of this summary is very defensive. It's very, yes, yes. It's very us versus them. It's very when it's meant to be an independent, you know, it's meant to be an independent report, you know, and independently. Yeah. Uh, it's not meant to be on the side of Yorkshire. And yeah, Rafik has rightly called these findings atrocious. He said, and he, he has outlined that he will, he may have to go public with the full list of allegations to let the public decide whether he's, whether he, whether the, he sees this as institutional racism, whether they see this as institutional racism, sorry. And, you know, fair enough. He's fed up. And that's what he said. He's, he's absolutely fed up. He's done with this. And what he means by, he, do, he doesn't mean he's done with it as in like, this is finished. He means he's going to have to go public. Like he's fed up with waiting for Yorkshire to actually, you know, pull their fingers out and do something about this. He's going to have, like he, he said, he's going to have to go public. And you know, fair enough. You know, fair play. I, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's not great. And there's a really good article uh, on Crick Info that was about um, kind of ten questions for Yorkshire after this, and one of them kind of outlines that. There are more Yorkshire first teamers have come from the Sedberg school. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right in Cumbria in in recent years than ethnic minorities. So that's one school in Cumbria producing more Yorkshire cricketers than than ethnic minorities. And that's, you know, fair enough. That school should be very proud of that. But Yorkshire, come on, what are you doing, guys? It's not really good enough. And there's not been much mention of the kind of the allegation of coaches being told to pick less children from you know, South Asian communities, uh, it's been unanswered. And that if that is true, then that that's institutional racism. There's, there's no doubt about that, that on its own, you know, you can. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know what more there is to say, to be honest, it's, it's not good. And it's, it's, it's awful. And they've, you know, they're just, they tried to push this out on the day the test the test got cancelled like oh yeah yeah, this is a great idea that everyone will be busy talking about that test being cancelled we won't get that much media coverage and you know that hasn't worked for them and if anything that people have picked up on that fact so you know come on yorkshire sort it out yeah no i know i agree with that zach it really feels like they're doing as much as they can to downplay this uh report to not be transparent i think whatever the opposite of transparency is opaque i mean they they have they've done it by the book uh delayed this you know tried to hush it up as much as possible and it's really been blood from a stone hasn't it actually getting this into the public and uh one more one more thing to add that rafiq said that incredibly insultingly he wasn't even consulted or told that this was going to be going public or at least parts of it until a couple of minutes before the media found out he received a uh, communication literally minutes before just underlining the lack of respect uh, i think the club has shown for him as an individual and clearly other players probably also worth mentioning this in the context of the you know craig overton ollie robinson uh you know historical racist remarks that they've made um while on the cricket pitch overton's uh denied his um but you know it's just it's 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 horrible stuff and it it really worries you um you know as a cricket fan uh yorkshire is a massive club it's obviously a cricketing institution and i mean in my opinion there's no doubting that the, the racism is institutional here um and it's it's pretty uh pretty disgraceful stuff um, unfortunately and yeah hopefully uh, next podcast uh, if there is an update there may well be uh, we'll hopefully have will on and uh, dan on as well to hear their opinions but yeah it's it's a dark saga i think uh, it's very fair to say um for cricket um 
that's almost wraps us up. Uh, I, I don't want to leave on, on, on such a sad note. It's an important note, but it, but it is a sad one. Um, Zach, catch us up. So we're um, in the ongoing today. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday. It's the semifinals of the Caribbean Premier League. Um, just before listeners go, um, just catch us up. Who's who's in the semifinals? Uh, the, one of the games is nearly finishing. It might have finished uh, by the time we're up. It's just wrap, wrapped up. Um, Zach, give us the, uh, the Caribbean Premier League updates to, to, to close us out. Live updates here. The Trinbago Night Riders have been knocked out. They failed to chase down 205. And, you know, they always they always win it, the Trinbago Night Riders. They're the favourites. And the St. Lucia Kings are, you know, not, not generally thought of as being that good. They've got everyone's favourite, Rakim Cornwall, but he got a duck in this game. You know, and Tim David previously mentioned hit 38 from 17. And David Visa, 34 from 21, and then took a Fifer. Pfeiffer, where's his IPL deal? I ask. Where's his IPL deal? He'll. I. The worrying thing is, is obviously that probably does mean he's not going to be playing for Sussex in Saturday's T20 last finals day, which is happening on on Saturday, and Somerset are there. Uh, the other semi-final. Before we move on to, I, I, I do want to talk about some really sad Somerset news, just because of how awful they are. Uh, the other semi-final is due to start. It will be done by the time you listen to this. It is the Guyana Amazon Warriors and the St. Kitts and Nevis Patriots. I'm purely supporting Guyana because one of the hosts of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, fantastic podcast, is a Guyana fan and they're always really bad. And St. Kitts were really good during the group stage, so we could see them knocked out as well. But yeah, that's all. That's all from the CPL. Well, yeah, it, it feels like it's one of those like flash in a pan uh, tournaments. I feel like by the time you get up to speed with it, the timing... For me, we I, we might mention on a previous part. It's like the, the one of the games is usually about nine a.m. Another at eleven thirty. Just in a working week, absolutely atrocious times. Unfortunately, to watch cricket, it couldn't really be much worse unless it was like three a.m. So it's passed me by. But it is a tournament I've always wanted to be getting into. Though the quality of cricket, I've been following a few of the results, and there's been some great narratives. You know, Kieran Pollard still, you know, at the peak of his power. It's fantastic to see him still do well. Uh, you know, Somerset legend um, for Zach and I, which probably leads us on. Yeah, I almost. Um, wrapped up um, without talking a little bit of domestic cricket just the last few minutes or so uh that so we mentioned finals day coming up at the weekend uh, how i forgot that i will never know clearly an abundance of cricket news um and somerset are in that zach just remind remind listeners who's in the who's in the finals day uh and who you potentially will be expecting to win i mean of course i'm actually expecting somerset to win <laughs> of course they're gonna win and it is it's, it's an all south final because we do obviously four teams four teams from each qualify from the group stage and all of the south teams won their quarterfinals so we have hampshire versus somerset is the first game at 11 a.m and then we've got kent versus sussex so i'm supporting somerset and i'm also supporting sussex for dan and you know for a few other people that i you know we, we, we all like sussex and especially because they're going to lose Chris Jordan this year. Oh, he's, go, he's going to Surrey. They're also going to, you know, it seems like it might be the end of this T20 team that has been so good for a few years. And have, I feel like it. You know, like they, they were really good back in, I think it was 2018. They were really good, got beaten by Worcestershire. And they had at that time, it was Mills, Archer, Jordan. And it was like, how is anyone yeah. going to beat these guys? They beat Somerset well, in the semifinals then. And that's, you know, and the, yeah, their bowling attack. It's, it's why the Southern Brave in the 100 did so well, because they were like, hmm. One of our local counties is uh, is Sussex. Let's just, they've got a pretty good <laughs> bowling attack. Let's just take their bowling attack, you know, and then let's just add some decent batters to it like that. <laughs> this is a pretty good way to do it. And it, it worked well for them. So, yeah, 
expect a good thing from Su- I'm hoping it's a Sussex Somerset final because then it's kind of like kind of can't lose in other cricket news though Somerset are, have been absolutely awful in the uh, county championship Tom Lamaby did hit 100 yesterday but other than that he hit more than we've hit in like three other innings it's it's terrible and also though no one seems like no one wants to win it no really, we're going to be really interesting <laughs> at this point going into the final because Notts and Yorkshire both look like favourites coming into this round, this third of four rounds. And Notts have lost today to Hampshire pretty comprehensively. And Warwickshire, look, Yorkshire, look, Warwickshire is going to be an interesting day of cricket tomorrow. But I think it will probably be, Warwickshire will probably edge that. It was no play today because of rain and or Yorkshire need what Yorkshire need Yorkshire need a decent amount of runs they need about two I think they need, they're chasing about 250 and they're 50 for three and they they were 108 all out in their first innings balance is still there though so Gary balance could shift the balance of the game yes nice nice uh, pun and lovely little roundup yeah looking looking at the um the, the current it's the only one that matters really let's be honest the top table of the uh of the kind of post group stage um at least the original group stage um running from top to bottom we have hampshire at the top then uh lancashire after battering somerset uh a second nottinghamshire a third fourth a yorkshire um five of warwickshire and yeah as you said zach uh somerset are occupying the um bottom of the table some atrocious um bowling performances i feel like am i correct in saying we followed on in every one of the three yeah always four have we followed we followed on a lot of times one of them we didn't have to follow on because two of them we actually haven't followed on because we batted first well, there's always a reason. <laughs> We've lo- we lost by an innings in two of them. That's and then exactly we, we what I just, meant. We just managed to not lose by an innings in this one when following on. One interesting thing is, though, is that so Hampshire and Lancashire are top two with the points as they stand. Warwickshire and Yorkshire's game's not finished, but whoever wins that will be push up. And that will. And if, if Yorkshire win that game, which is looking unlikely, it would mean the top four are playing each other. So currently the top two are playing each other. Hampshire and Lancashire are playing each other next week. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Hampshire and Hampshire and sorry, I'm just getting a bit confused with all um because I know Somerset are playing Warwickshire and Yorkshire are playing Knots. So yeah, they must be playing Lancashire, Hampshire in Liverpool. It's at an outground and Lancashire might lift the county championship after, you know, they won they they were in Div two in twenty nineteen. They went up from Div two in twenty nineteen. You know, it's a pretty good thing from them. Knots as well, Knots you know their comeback's been didn't win a game for years. Didn't win a game for, didn't win a game in 2019. Didn't win a game in 2020. You know, absolutely, it's crazy that they're so close and it's such like. And I kind of after they beat Somerset, I was a bit like, yeah, I, I don't have anything against Knots. You know, out of all the counties to win it this year, you know, I don't want Yorkshire to win it for obvious reasons spoken about. Yep. I think Warwickshire, the team, I probably want to win it. Cause I've just got nothing against them. Lancashire annoy me a little bit. Knots annoy me a little bit. Hampshire, I, I just, I just have. As a Somerset fan with a chip on my shoulder, and I'm sure you're exactly the same. Just something against the big counties that get all the good players and have the test status. Absolutely, no, I agree. And Zach, just 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 to uh, conclude this nicely, thank you so much. It's quite funny. You're basically the entire podcast team. You're you're our guide to the county championship. So if if you're you know struggling to keep absolutely you know up to date with these fixtures, we are purely at sea here uh but just just let us know um is there how many more rounds are there is there one round is there's one left and uh just remind listeners about the bob willis trophy as well because that's still still happening this season correct 
Yeah, so there's, so there's one round of fixtures, and like I said, the top two will be playing each other. D- depending on how the on how the points work with the Warwickshire Yorkshire game, they might not be the top two by then. But yeah, and the and then after that, the top two at the end of that round will play in the Bobbleys Trophy final. So the winner, the the, t- so the team that finishes top wins the county championship, and then the top two can still fight out for the Bobbleys Trophy. So it, it might be, it, you know, I I. I who knows how much the team that wins the county championship are going to be that worried about the Bobbleworth Trophy? You'd like to think they're still going to, you know, really go for it. It's a showpiece final at Lords. I'm I'm quite gutted that Somerset won't be there. It would have been really nice to go watch a day of it, watching Somerset at Lords. But you know, we go again, we go again. And I'm sorry, I'm meant to be generally talking about um, <laughs> going championship, not talking about how bad Somerset are. <laughs> uh, well, at the minute, it's impossible to disentangle the two because as Somerset fans, we've been so excited um, for this second round um, of fixtures, basically, you know, a second group stage, as it were, after the initial the initial tables. And we had high hopes as fans and they've been crushed, well and truly crushed. But we go again this coming weekend um, on finals day, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, once again, I'm really glad you reminded me because that truly, uh, truly passed me by. There's just too much going on in the cricket world at the minute. Um, anyway, I think that that wraps us up. Um, uh, it's been a really interesting discussion. I think we've we've managed to squeeze quite a bit in there. Um, surprisingly, not not the well, sadly we didn't have the um, we didn't have the fifth tester review uh, for reasons we've discussed why. Um, but nonetheless, a massive thank you to India for providing what was just absolutely sensational cricket. It made a lot of people summers. Um, I know quite a few of the uh, members of the pod were lucky enough to be there in person for a couple of the games. Um, so that was fantastic. And yeah, it was been a really good summer of cricket. Um, even with COVID, I think we've had the World Chess Championship, obviously, in England. We've had uh, the New Zealand just playing brilliant, brilliant cricket as well. So yeah, I think it's been really enjoyable. It's a sad way to end the the, the, the test summer, as it were. Um, but again, I think everyone from the pod just hopes um, that we, we hope two things. Number one, that all the um, players and family are safe with India. And two, that Ravi Sastry's book is a disaster and sell, sells about, it only sells copies to the people who gave him COVID in the room. That is probably my, uh, my hope for that project. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just looking at how much the book is, how much buy it now. It might it might be one of those things that is like goes down in history. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, 20 quid. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> 20 quid in COVID. There you go. Oh. Uh, I don't know if I want one of those signed copies after, after all this. I might, <laughs> might have to air that out for a week or two. <laughs> um, well, on that note, uh, keep your 20 quid in your pocket. Uh, save it for a showpiece final at Lords, uh, Bob West Trophy coming up. Uh, loads of great cricket. We'll be back uh, probably similar time next week with, I imagine, at the very least, we're going to have to review a Finals Day. And once again, we're going to have the uh, we're going to have the um, previews for the for the World Cup as well. And Zach, there's so much cricket going on. Your you boys, sadly, I can't keep up with the IPL, but you boys are going to be um, doing your IPL reviews as well. So. Keep your eye on the pod. There'll be loads of content coming up uh, just because it's the end of the summer. Doesn't mean cricket stops. And uh, yeah, thank you all very much for listening and we'll see you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.